Hi, I am Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. Hey, TJ, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Joe. You wanted to ask me about my mobile podcasting rig. Yes, uh, the strangeness in our times is that we may or may not be able to take vacations. So I've forgotten what they are like. It's sort of like (laughs) when Frodo was explaining to Sam, he forgot what the feeling of fresh grass was under his feet and the taste of water. That's a deep cut there, Joe. That's a deep cut. Mm. (laughs) And Um, you are on vacation. What is that like in 2020? I am podcasting from an undisclosed location. I'm on vacation with my family, but we just started the show, and today is the first day of our vacation. It's kind of a light day. We got in last night, and you know, today we've been at the pool a little bit and just various things, and so it's not a high-pressure situation today. So, um, yeah, so I had some time to do some podcasting, Um, but I guess specifically you wanted to know like how I'm accomplishing this. Uh, You you might notice um, I sound a little bit more uh, roomy, echoey than, than last week. And that's because there's not a good, uh, audio situation for me to be in, you know, in terms of the room. Um, but I think it'll be fine. I think our listeners will be able to hear me. I'm using the same microphone I always use. It's a Rode podcaster. Um, and it is connected to my laptop, which I actually always podcast from my laptop because my desktop is, um, it's, it's a, it's a quiet fan, but it is still a fan. And so it would make it into the recording. And so I always turn off my desktop when I, when I record. So, yeah, I mean, it's other than that, it's the same situation I normally have. I don't have all my big displays that I normally use. I just have my laptop and my iPad, but, um, yeah, I've got a little stand that I take with me for my, uh, microphone. I have my over the ear headphones. Um, it all fits into one. I actually have an MXL microphone case for my, um, high it's it's a recording microphone that i hardly ever use because it's not a dynamic mic and i don't have a studio (laughs) but but my road podcaster fits right in there in that hard case and everything fits in there and it's a nice little package i can take with me to to podcast on the road i've had to podcast similarly a few times on vacations and it's just not easy but your rig looks you've sent me some pictures and yeah it looks legit this is what vacationing podcasting looks like I've got some pillows propped up behind my computer and a blanket on the hardwood floor under me to help mute the the echo back to the microphone a little bit. One interesting thing I am doing, I always almost always take my uh one of an, an old Wi-Fi router that used to be my main router and then I replaced it with an Eero system. So that's sort of free to come with me. And the cabin where we're staying has um Ethernet right into the modem, a cable modem, and um I put the, I connect that, and so I have my own protected Wi-Fi network that I know no other traffic is on, so that, that helps a lot. Um, I'm normally hardwired via Ethernet. That's clever. I hadn't thought about taking one of those on the road for me. Th- so this is just a router you've previously configured, and if you plug into the cable, you can basically run it like its original settings that were saved? That's right. I don't have, have to change the settings. It creates my network, the same network I used to use when it was my main router, and um, Excellent. it's great. I I do I, I used to have it on five gigahertz. I changed it to two point four because it penetrates walls better, and I want it to get all over the cabin. Um, and so, yeah, that's the only change that I've made. Anyway, is this interesting to people? Do people care? I really don't understand the difference between the two point four and the five gigahertz. You sound pretty good, but yeah, five gigahertz sounds like it would be a better number and more optimized. But yeah, I've heard that it doesn't travel through walls as well. Right. Well, do we want to get into the nerdy technical details of of how uh, radio waves work? Um, Basically, um, the higher the frequency, 
the less it will it, it actually has more capacity but it doesn't penetrate through walls as easily so the lower the frequency the longer the distance it'll travel and the greater it'll penetrate through walls hmm. um, so 2.4 has great properties for propagation but it, it can carry less traffic and and on top of that the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum is packed with other wi-fi networks um, with um, remember cordless telephones remember when we used to have landlines and then we had cordless telephones so those were running on 2.4 Hmm. Lots of other things run on 2.4, and so you tend to have more interference. Um, although it's becoming less of a, a thing because a lot of Wi-Fi networks are now running on 5 gigahertz and 2.4, and so you have interference on the 5 gigahertz as well. So I've just chosen 2.4 because it, um, it it propagates better through the places that I'm staying. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I, ex- I appreciate that <laughs> explanation because I've used both and interchangeably in my homes. I've never had such large homes that I had to worry about the penetration. I've had Mm. modems in my basement. I've had them on the top floors. I've had them in central locations. And presently, I have sort of a run-of-the-mill AT&T router set up here, and it's not high-speed internet, but I've I've found it to be very reliable. And I don't even know if I'm running on 2.4 or 5 gigahertz. So you're just using the built-in, the Wi-Fi that's built into the modem that AT&T provided you? Yes, and oh, I would Joe. love to optimize the thing. I'd love to replace <laughs> the thing. And I hear wonderful things about Eero. Let me preach the gospel of Eero to you no, some other time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how interesting all this is. It feels very meta to me. <laughs> well, I, I think it's very useful. Anyway, we should move on. I'm very happy that you are podcasting with us on your vacation and that all of us could join you on your vacation. This feels very special. Thank you for opening your heart and your evening to us. Yeah, everybody relax, sit back, have a mimosa. Oh, I should have grabbed a drink too if I'd <laughs> known you were having one. <laughs> Actually, all I have is water for podcasting. Oh, okay. I wanted to continue with uh, discussions about iOS 14 because this is hot off the press. This yes, is, is straight out of the finger of Tim Cook, you know, <laughs> touching Bono. And <laughs> we all got the update now. Oh, my. We we can all enjoy iOS 14 now. You're on iOS 14. You also got a watch. You don't have watch OS. Okay. 7 well, yet. we can talk about the watch in a minute. But I um I have two devices um that are running. Uh, well, so <laughs> iOS, iPad OS. We we can call it all of it iOS as far as I'm concerned. But so I have an an iPhone 6s, which we discussed last week, is my current primary phone, and I have uh-huh. an iPad Pro. They're both running iOS and iPad OS 14. Um, and, uh, I have, I, I feel like Joe, that it is the most stable release that, uh, Apple has done of iOS slash iPad OS in many, many, many years. Yeah. They are both the most stable th- releases of 2020, uh, in any category across the board, anything worldwide. So they are, they're actually stable. So I think so in terms of performance on my phone, I have, I want to say I haven't noticed a difference, but I almost think my phone is more performant than it was before the update. And that has never, ever happened on an iOS update. <laughs> it is, um, it, it, at the very least, it's just the same in terms of performance as it was before. This is clearly a huge turnaround from iOS 13, which was a disaster. Um, even iOS, I was, I iOS 12 or iOS 11. I don't remember. I was a little bit out of the iOS game for a few years, as you know, um, but um, I know earlier on in updates, I, I started I started swearing I would never update to .0s again. But the the draw of iOS 14 for me was too much, and I updated on day one. And they're not like 
you know, it's not like my Max where if they go out of commission, I can't make money. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it seems fairly safe to update my iOS devices at, at, as long as I can continue to make and receive calls, which are few and far between these these days, but I still do need them once in a while. And as long as I can continue to receive texts and send texts and iMessages, it's going to be fine. Um, yeah, so that, that was the reason I went ahead and updated. What usually happens to my, my experience with iOS year-over-year annual cycles is that I get excited about the public beta program. Uh, I usually join that about two weeks into the public beta, and I really enjoy it. Just... Uh, you know, in the last few years, especially the public beta, of course it's going to be buggy, and it was. Then I, I usually update to the official release on day one, and you know what? By then, there's so little bugs that I'm not really thinking about them anymore. But you're absolutely right. 13 was so much better. Then what happens though is a year wanes. You mean on. 14 was better? Yes. Sorry. And so as the year, usually as the year wanes on, I eventually get tired of the same old, same old, because any kind of update whatsoever on an annual cycle, it feels long in the tooth of around the ninth month. And I start looking around at the jailbreak community. And so what that happened to me this past year, I usually wind up uh, backsliding into the jailbreaking community about every two years. And I did that this summer. And for a few reasons, like I wanted widgets and I wanted to have more flexibility with the home screen. Uh, I wanted to be able to arrange my apps in ways that Apple is just not going to grant us permission for. Thankfully, though, enough of the changes with, with iOS 14 actually answer a lot of the things I was hoping for and I the reasons I moved to jailbreak so that you know what? I prefer Apple releases. I, I Yeah, I know. It's it, good and bad. There's plenty of pros and cons to going jailbreaks route. But I do like the official releases, so I was happy to get out of that and back to the official stuff. But these days, jailbreaking is not as bad as it used to be. But that being said, as far as stability goes, yeah, it's still a messy mess. And so I was even just moving over to the public beta off of the jailbreak was far more stable. Yeah, and see, I used to jailbreak in the iOS 3, 4, 5, 6 days. 7 was when we went to the, yeah, 7 was the design makeover. So uh, up until that design makeover, I had been jailbreaking and at various times. And I would go back because it would just, you know, it would start out fine, but then things would destabilize over time. And it's just, it, and, and as iOS has improved, sure, there are things I wish I could get that jailbreak probably would give me on iOS, but uh, things even that I had on Android, <laughs> for instance, but, but it's just not worth it anymore to me. It's just too unstable. And I have, I have, as I, as I age, Joe, I feel like an old, but <laughs> as I yeah. age, I, I desire more stability in my software. Yeah, I, I get that too. I, I just miss so many optional features. Like just a few years ago when we had the iPhone 8 generation and previous generations, I far preferred thumb swiping up to get to control center. And with my iPhone XS forward with the 11 now, I'm just really unhappy that my thumb cannot really reach the top right corner on a convenient basis to get to the control center. Mm. And a healthy compromise that keeps me out of jailbreaking is the double tap and triple tap you can do on the back of the phone with iOS 14 now. Oh, interesting. So that you can customize an action. I assume that's limited to newer phones. I don't think I can do that with my success. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know what generation it would have began on, but I'm guessing the XS 
It mm. probably could work on the 10, but it was, so it's really nice because you just, you give it a good, a good firm double tap and it's actually easy to accidentally trigger it. If you wind up using the double tap for one action and a triple tap for another, it's probably going to mess up. It, it did many times while I was attempting it because I wanted to use the triple tap to search YouTube and the double tap to get to control center. And it's just, you know, both of them are similar enough that you're accidentally triggering the other one you don't want. So I got rid of the triple tap. And yeah, so like I said, uh, I rarely have to reach up to the top right corner to get to control center anymore. Very happy about Interesting. that. Interesting. See, I, because of my years on Android, I have grown very used to the equivalent of the control center being uh, at the top of the phone. Android has, uh, when you pull down what's called the notification shade, it is the control center, and below the control center are notifications. It's a really great, I, I like it much better than what iOS has, and mostly it feels like it's very easy to trigger, but I've never triggered it accidentally on Android. Mm. Whereas I, iPhone, the control center and swiping down both feel very onerous, like you have to swipe really far to get it to stick both times and it, it feels like it takes forever to get in and out and it's just i don't know I, I miss that about android but i i do i've just gotten so used to it being on the top i'm, I'm almost used to that it being you know control center being on the bottom on my success and and then i'm probably going to get a new phone in a few weeks and it'll be a 10 class you know everything's on the top because you don't have a home button and so swiping up is to go home and i'm sure that's all gonna mess my brain up again but anyway should we talk about music on iOS and iPad? Yes, please. You know, I I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about the music in general. Have you been using Spotify, Apple Music? What do you like? I have gone back and forth between Apple Music and Spotify. Um, I was initially very big into the iTunes ecosystem back in the uh, 2005, 6, 7, 8 era, you know, as the iPad or as the iPhone was coming out. Oh, the golden era, the glory days. Yes. And I, I had a lot of music that I owned. I mean, it's still in my library and I had a lot of ripped CDs and things and it was all properly like I'd had, I, I tended the metadata of my tracks like a garden, Joe. It was, um, it was immaculate. All the cover art was correct. And I really loved the view options. And at that time, iTunes was a simpler beast, although as the iPhone was coming out, it started getting more and more complicated, and they started throwing more and more features at it. But it, the initial concept of iTunes and, and what we're back to in many ways with music, the music app, is, is a, you know, it's a pretty good concept. Music on, on the Mac, I should clarify. Um, and so, um, and, and mostly the view that I use, there are two, there are two features that I use in the music app on Mac, and that is the playlists. I have a few playlists that I, I put together of things. And then I mostly stay in the songs view with the column browser because I listen, I, I conceive of my music as, um, genres, artists, and albums, right? So I go to the genre I want, I pick the artist I want, or maybe I'll pick more than one because you can, with the column view on, on Mac OS, in the music app, you can select multiple artists, for instance. Or maybe I want to listen to most things in a genre, although I may make a playlist for that. So then I'll, I'll use the column browser to find the album that I want and play it. Um, and that is a great way to, um, to manage music, in my opinion. Um, as iTunes got more bloated, I started using Spotify, which has no way to really browse your music. They really pretty much have playlists or recommendations, and, and they do have some ways to browse your music, but it's really awful. So I tired of Spotify after, I would say, a couple of years, and I switched back to Apple Music. And thankfully, even though I was on Android, 
Um, Apple Music does have an app for Android, and so I continued to use Apple Music. Um, that said, um, the Apple Music app on Android, as far as I can tell, is more or less the same as it is on iOS, and um, it is not a great experience. It's There's no column browser. I should point out that the original Music app for iPhone was wonderful in that way. It had the equivalent of a column browser where um, you would you would click through uh, the columns, and of course they would slide over, as, as you know the iPhone does, and at the top you could always just say all, and, and you could get right out of that mode. Um, and and be you know instead of continuing through that three column browser then you could just see everything that you had filtered thus far it was a really great experience and it's a much better experience than anything we have in any app today as far as i know so if i if i'm in the music app right now and i tap on genre it pulls up the genres and then if i tap on classical it moves the column over into the classical list but it's alphabetical by album not by artist so it's at that point um, there's a top right button for sort and oh dash it okay because if you're in classical and you look at the sort button in the top right corner you can sort by title recently added newest first or oldest first so yeah, none of those do it for me when i when i click uh, when i select like what i want is the column browser experience when i select uh let's yeah. see i'm just going to select choral right here i have a i and i probably this is my own genre that i've created but it's choral music that i enjoy uh and then it shows me you like the ocean that much <sighs> not that kind of choral so um and it shows me a list of cover art like a squ- you know a square side by side squares of cover art that is not what i want i now want to select my artist and that's what we used to have on the iphone and and it's just uh you have to scroll through here and it's just it's it's tedious to find anything on the iphone um, or, or the iPad. Now the iPad app was even worse before iOS 14. Like there was so much wasted space and I feel like they've done a better job in iOS 14. And this is what prompted me to put this part in our iOS 14 review is they've definitely, the, the iPad definitely has a better music app in iOS 14 than it did before. I still, I just don't understand why in the year of our Lord 2020, nobody can make a good music app. It's infuriating to me. So I'm just going to make a suggestion uh, and maybe I'm, uh, you already mentioned this. Sorry if I missed it. If you're in the music app on the phone, are you just tapping on artists to begin your drill down to the music you want to play? Or how how are you using it then? So often these days, um, I'm either going straight to a playlist on the phone or I'm going to go to search. Um, occasionally, I'll go to a genre um, and, uh, see if I can find what I want in there. But like, like for instance, if I go to metal, uh, I listen to a lot of symphonic metal. And so I, I put those all, uh, into a genre called metal. There's just too much for me to scroll through and find the album that I want. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm looking more for artists. So now what I will do these days is I will search for the artists that I think I'm in the mood for, maybe Nightwish, maybe Delane, something like that. And then from there, then at least I get a list of albums. Even though it's the square cover art, it's not a nice condensed list, I can still find the album I want much better that way. So it requires me to, to type, which is not great. I, I, I don't want to type when I'm in a music browsing experience, but that's what iOS makes me do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I use music on, on the mobile devices at this point. The, the mm. music app on Mac OS is still the best way in, for me to, to get to my music. Me too. Yeah. And I really do like some of the design changes for the Catalina version. I'm, Oh, it's a great app. I'm, and I'm optimistic though, about even seeing more of those changes for Big Sur. There's a Big Sur, a Big Sur, <laughs> Sur, Big Sur, Sur, Big Sur, Joe. Okay. So the R is not anyway. silent. 
So you had a, I believe, a recommendation mm-hmm. that you've put in the show notes here, and I'm interested to yes. know what it is because I'm still using Apple's native apps, but you may have something here for us. Yes. So if you go to Apple's uh, or the iOS App Store today, you can pick from a variety of other third-party music player apps that will look at your iOS Apple Music library and present to you all of your music in its own way, its own interface. Interesting. So they specialize with different approaches, some that are more interested in looking at genres, some of them looking at just searching your music, uh, some being based on how you've rated the music. And occasionally, it just boils down to what the design style is for the app. And they, they're not really attempting a great feature set and functions, but they just want it to look different. Um, now, an app called Soar, S-O-O-R, came out, I think, maybe the year before last. And it was recommended by Mac Stories. And beyond their recommendation, I checked it out because I was already looking at several different music apps. And this was the one that was going for sale for $10 on the App Store that I I wanted to give it a try. So I downloaded it. And it boils down to... I, I find the music app a little frustrating in my own part, but it's primarily because I just find the open view of the song that's currently playing to be not the greatest. It's polished. It's well-refined, but I'm not a big fan of the layout. Uh, The name of the song, followed by the album, followed by the the player time bar, where it shows you where you are in the progression of the song, followed by the backtrack, play, pause, and forward track buttons, and beneath that, the volume controls, and then a few other icons at the bottom for airplay, uh, uh, turning the lyrics on and off, and controlling things like what to play next and whether you want shuffle on or repeat. Uh, This whole interface of what the music player looks like is just not appealing to me. And when I saw Soar and its music player, it was just perfect. Just looks easy on the eyes and looks the way that I would like it to appear. And the cover art behaves like the cover flow layout in Apple's, you know, finder view. So if you had CoverFlow, and you may remember in previous generations of iOS's music app and in iTunes, uh, TJ, you remember the good old days when you had CoverFlow in iTunes and you could scroll sideways through all the various albums? And Oh, yes. I, I hated it so much. I, I hate CoverFlow. I, I think that it was very clunky to use. And if you were trying to navigate your music that way, it was a disaster. But in yes. Soar, it's not about navigating the music that way. It just shows you the cover art for the previous song, the song you're on at present, and the song yet to come. So you're not using it for navigation necessarily. You can if you want, but who does that? It, it, it actually just has more to do with aesthetics. It just it just looks much more interesting. All right, Joe. So uh, first of all, I put a link in the show notes to Soar on the iOS App Store. Um, this app is five dollars. There, there does not appear to be a free version for a trial or anything like that. Ugh, don't get me started on Apple's aversion to free trials. Um, so 
based on what I've told you, do you think I will find f- this? I, I'm willing to pay $5, but I just don't know if, I'll, if it has the features that I want or if I'll find it worth it. So if I tap on genres, immediately what it does is it brings up them in alphabetical order. So I'm going to tap on alternative. And then under alternative, they give me selections by song. That's kind of useless. And uh, you can also sort or drill down by albums. So I hate to say it, but I don't think it's going to solve the issue. Well, one concept I find interesting in the screenshots is that there's um, – oh, where did it go? I saw somewhere um, like this uh, filter where there was like you could add filters like genre, artist. Album. Like that yep. almost may accomplish what I want. You may be able to do it. Yeah, that may in a different way, not the column browser way, but yeah, that may – because basically what I'm using the column browser for in macOS um, music app – is a filter of sorts, right? I'm, I'm filtering by this, then this, and then this. So that may that may work. I, it may be worth five dollars to try it. I I am averse to blowing money, but <laughs> I may give it a try. I use Soar all the time, and, and if I and I bought it back in the day when it was ten dollars, and uh, yeah, so I, I recommend it for five dollars. It's worth it. Well, that's in the show notes. Uh, if anybody wants to check those out, nightowl.fm/hi-fi/two. Okay, moving on. Um, Joe, one thing I wanted to touch on in our iOS 14 review, we're moving right along here. <laughs> um, the um, So Apple makes, uh, you may know, Joe, these things called AirPods. They also make AirPods Pro, and they bought Beats, and they make something called PowerBeats Pro. And all these have Apple silicon chips in them, which have specific ways in which they interact with macOS and iOS. Um, and in iOS 14, there's this thing, this concept called auto switching. So when I have my, and I, I use my PowerBeats Pro the most because I have trouble keeping AirPods uh, in my ears. And uh, the AirPods Pro, um, AirPod, AirPods Pro, AirPod Pros. Uh, I like um, to call them AirPod Pros. I don't remember which way. AirPods, AirPod Pros. So they're um, uh, Apple calls them AirPods Pro, which you know, it's okay, ridiculous. AirPods Pro. Um, so they, um, the, the, they are. Um, they're good. I like them. They also, I made them much better with these um, third-party foam memory um, tips that, that expand and stay in your ear a little bit better and help with the sound proofing. Oh, really? And I most enjoy those in environments where I need to to have the sound dampening. Uh, what do they call that? Um, noise cancellation. Noise, no, not noise isolation, but noise cancellation. Mm-hmm. cancellation yes and i especially like that when i'm flying um which we haven't done this year as you may know um so uh but but um and i use them sometimes about um funny enough i actually enjoy the original airpods the most for phone calls um oh, i huh. find talking with the airpods pro to be frustrating and the powerbeats pro Less so, but they just aren't as well designed for talking. But for just like, especially for working out and music. So Powerbeats Pro are my go-tos every day. I use them every day working out. And if I'm if I'm going to use headphones at my desk, I use the Powerbeats Pro. So so coming to the point, the nice thing, I, what I would uh, often in the evening, I'll sit down with my iPad and I will watch a TV show, and then I either will have been listening to a podcast on my phone, and then I'll need to go through the dance of pulling down the control center and holding the. By the way, this is much better on Android, but but hold holding the button on the Bluetooth and then letting that pop up and then holding the button on the thing and then clicking the the headphones and letting them connect. That's all gone in iOS 14, Joe. If I press play on my iPad, they will immediately, the music will, uh, there's just a slight delay and then they'll start playing on my power beats if they're in my ears. And then if I press play on, on my iPhone, there's a slight delay and then they will start playing in my ears from my iPhone. So they auto switch to the correct device. I've only had it do something wrong once in my last few days. And so I think it's a big win. 
It's it's just pure Apple magic at its best. Yeah, if you're someone that is on the fence about updating to iOS 14 for you know the first release in the first week or so, and you're wondering if there's any excuse for a feature that is so compelling that you would do it now rather than waiting another week or so for that you know point one release that is supposed to be more secure and you know more reliable uh, guys just understand if you've got airpod pros uh airpods power beats and you also like to switch to other devices like your ipad or your macbook pro or your desktop mac this is great and it works so well like you're saying tj you know sometimes it, with ios 13 and it the the last many years with the Mac and the iPad, you have to take them out of your ear, pop them back in the case, give it a second to kind of like reset, pop it out of the case, stick it back in your ear, wait and see if it works this time. And then, yes, going into control center for the Bluetooth button, you know how many times I'm just trying to look at all the Bluetooth devices and I accidentally toggle it off before I can turn it back on so that I can see the menu oh, and choose my so device. Annoying. So uh, annoying. It so really bad. is. So it, all of that song and dance gone. This whole thing on iOS is so much more clunky than it is on Android. So you, would you say though, it's leapfrogged what it does on Android now with the current state of affairs with iOS 14? <laughs> Well, obviously, the auto switching is the auto switching. Of course, is better than I mean, because Android doesn't have anything like that. You know, Google and, and nobody's making that sort of one you know experience uh, on on Android. But as far I'm, I was talking about the selection of Bluetooth devices, like you press and hold on the Bluetooth icon, and you're immediately put into the settings, and you select the thing. It's it's much better. Where it feels clunky, it just feels a lot clunkier on iOS. Um, but that said, this auto switching, I'm not going to be going into that menu nearly as often as I was before. So yeah, I think this is a huge win. Yep. I love it a lot. And it gives me all the more reason to strongly endorse someone who has the iPhone plus other Apple devices and they're frequently putting down one and getting the other. That if you enjoy headphones, wireless earbuds, and you want to make the best overall experience and just run with these things this is the way to go. And I cannot recommend AirPod Pros enough. Joe, let's talk about widgets. Yeah, this has been really fun the last couple of days. You um, you jailbroke to get widgets, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, if you want to rewind the clock earlier this year, you know, let's say the beginning of the year, the jailbreak community was really tired of Apple not supporting widgets in iOS. So they already had several developers working on several examples of widgets. And, you know, for the most part, they're hacks, but some of the hacks were uh, legitimately impressive. They looked like they had a good deal of uh, fit and finish and could actually be useful. For example, if you just wanted to have the hourly forecast at the top of the home screen, it it was a no-brainer. Who wouldn't want that? Or if you wanted to have the date and uh, the day, you know, just to have the date and the time on the home screen. Uh, those were great widgets to have. Uh, the music apps, yeah, you could control, you know, play, pause, skip back and forward in Spotify or Apple Music from a widget right over your dock. And this was going on months before Apple announces iOS 14. So it was around that time that I was it, I was researching the jailbreak options, and I found some good examples of what was available at the time. Uh, 
And some of the YouTubers, tech YouTubers that review such things, they made some very compelling videos about why you would want to use the jailbreaks. And even with the risk factor, you know, that it's just not as secure. It's not as stable. Then Apple talks about widgets for iOS 14 when they originally announced them for the, what was that? May? I guess they had that talk. And yeah, the widgets on the jailbreak were more customizable than what they were showing off in iOS 14. So that, that kind of hurts me just a little bit, given that we were waiting so long for widgets to come along. And then what they were giving us in 14 was not going to be as impressive as what they were doing in jailbreak. So I went ahead and got jailbroken. And one of the big reasons was for widgets. And the ones I got to use worked really good. But again, the stability is just still not there. So my phone would crash, I wouldn't say every day, but when it did crash, it could crash several times a day. And so then some of those widgets wouldn't even load. So, so bottom line this for us, Joe, uh, are you happy enough with the widgets and the power that Apple gave us in iOS 14? Yes, hands down. One of the things that makes it really good is that most of the third-party developers have had enough time that they could get out a significant number of widgets for us on launch week. And, you know, not every app needs a widget. That kind of solves some of the issue. And then some of the developers have gotten really clever about what you could do with a widget. For example, with Google, you have right there where you can tap to search or to do a voice search or do a picture, you know, search. And that's a clever use of a widget up there. And um, and then we have good developers like David Smith, who created WatchSmith for the watch, where you could customize complications on your watch faces and change and make those complications change depending on the time of day which was powerful for the watch and now we got widget smith which was just perfect and so while we were recording the show i was looking down at the the one of the wider medium widgets on my home screen and it's the one for widget smith and it was giving me the date and the calendar and then at 8 p.m. sharp, it switched to showing me the moon phase and it, the crescent moon that we have outside right now. And I really love that sort of thing. Uh, I like the idea of smart rotation, which is superior to the things that we had in jailbreak. And then the fact that this is all stable and not crashing, it's consistently showing it up. One of my favorite weather apps is Weatherline. And the way that their widget just looks is exactly what I was hoping for. And my task manager things, I'm using things as a widget as well in the smart rotation. I am not sure how smart rotation really is going to work because it's right some of the time and wrong some of the time. Uh, TJ, I'm going to volley this back to you. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. If you're going to use a widget stack, there's got to be some there's got to be some limits to how you're going to use it. So idealistically, you'll be able to take full advantage of every widget in the stack. I don't think you can have more than three or four before you just got too many to rotate through. Yes, absolutely. I, this, the smart, so you're using the smart stack in other words, presently on the home screen and then just screen time in another widget on the second on my springboard. So the smart stack is really not my thing. Um, this is 
this is not surprising to anybody given my um, proclivities, my personality, uh, to control things and to have things exactly the way I want them on my devices and, and other parts of my life. Um, I don't like the smart stack at all, and I find it tedious to scroll through. I, I tried it a little bit. But the thing that I was really missing from Android um, is, at least with um, with the Google stuff, is at the top of my my main home screen, I had the the Google widget, which um, was basically it would give me the current um, the current temperature. Uh, I think the phase of the moon, perhaps I don't remember. It's been a, it's been a couple months now since, or maybe a little over six weeks. I don't remember. Um, but and then it would also show me my next upcoming calendar event at the top there. Um, I've mostly been able to replicate this now with iOS fourteen widgets. So I have the weather widget Excellent. on the top left corner of my home screen and it shows me that right now where i'm at at 72 degrees it's mostly clear the highest 78 and the lowest 59 degrees um and i can of course click it and get a deeper forecast in the native weather app um and then on the uh top right of my main home screen i have the calendar widget which shows me my next uh, upcoming uh event and um, and it shows me uh, that there's another event that I can click into the calendar and get more. And this is fine. I do keep iOS's calendar um, uh, synced with my Google accounts um, so that it gets all my events and stuff. That's where all my – I use Google Calendars. I use apps, but it's Google Calendar backing it all, right? And so it, that's fine, although my preferred calendar is Fantastical. And strangely, Fantastical I'm, – I'm, surpr- I'm actually shocked because I like Fantastical so much, and they're usually good about updating – and maybe there's some hang-up with Apple or something. I don't know. But there is no Fantastical widget yet. Um, I don't understand. <laughs> they have said that it's coming soon. They're working feverishly on it. I'm quite sure it is. The other thing that's very fascinating to me, um, since coming back to iOS, I've come, I've been a Dark Sky user. Um, I actually – there are many things I miss about Google's weather app, which is not really available in the same way that it is on Android on iOS. So I've switched to Dark Sky. There's no Dark Sky widget. Apple owns – dark sky now so that's very odd so i would much rather have the dark sky widget show me everything the native weather widget is showing me and then when i click it i can get into dark sky um but that's not the case so but you know tj that they bought dark sky and the developer working on that added the functionality for things like the rain forecasts to apple's weather app yeah yes but it's just not quite the same like it doesn't show me it's going and it doesn't send you know apple's weather app doesn't show uh, send me notifications that it's going to start raining in a couple minutes or in 10 minutes or whatever and it doesn't show me minute by minute stuff the way dark sky does so i'm still waiting for that stuff to come natively to ios i assumed that's what apple was going to do anyway those are the two widgets that i was primarily interested in um, I have three home screens currently, and I have many more apps than that. So, I this is another feature of um, Apple uh, of iOS 14, where you can now hide home screens, and then it's just the three home screens that you want, and you don't have to worry about that anymore. We'll get to that in a second. On my second home screen, at the top, I have a widget for um, Todoist. I'm finding that not very useful, and I'm probably going to do away with that. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes. On my third home screen, the the it really is just my. Um, uh, my sleep, uh, and, and I, so it's my, I have some sleep apps on here. I'm trying a new sleep app called pillow. I was using sleep better, but it has no Apple watch integration and things like that. And I'm going to be getting an Apple watch. Um, and so I've been trying pillow. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with pillow for my sleep app. We'll, we'll see how that all goes. And then I do have the uh, pedometer plus plus widget, uh, on that screen as well. And then I have an app called sleep fan. Uh, I usually use an actual real fan when I'm at home, but when I'm out and about, 
uh, traveling, I need to have something to help me sleep better. So um, hmm. those are the widgets that I'm using. Oh, I do have in the, if you swipe to the left, I do have the battery widget, um, which it, it's a nice update to the battery widget. It was, of course, present as the previous incarnation of widgets. Um, and then I have um, the old style widget for Dark Sky and the old style widget for Zones on in my uh, swipe to the left of the home screen area. So why don't you just put widgets on the third springboard, the third home screen over there into the widgets area left of the first home screen? Um, because I have a couple of apps on that on my third home screen as well that are that have to do with the widgets that I have there. I don't know. It's still. I think it's still a work in progress, and I think there are some apps that will come out with widgets that may, may may make me rethink this. Ultimately, I feel like in iOS 15, the swipe to the right widgets area should go away. It's it, it doesn't make a lot of sense anymore when you can just have widgets on the home screen. Now it's still there for the old style widgets that you ha- that you can only have in that area. Um, so it is confusing when you go over to the left of home screen area where widgets used to preside. And you get the edit on and you go into jiggle mode and you look at the bottom and you have customize as a menu. You can tap open and it gives you an explanation at the top of the screen in text from Apple. Uh, Add widgets. Get timely information from your favorite apps at a glance. Add and organize your widgets below. And this is iOS 13's generation of widgets. So they don't say so, but it is so. And all of these widgets are all of the iOS 13 options you originally had that lived only left of the home screen. And so if you still enjoy that sort of thing, they're still here. But they 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 were always a little bit clunky, wouldn't you say? They were always clunky. And what's and it's now way more confusing because now you swipe over to the uh the right of the home screen and or I'm sorry, the left of the home screen, you swipe that in from the left. And it's just like, why are these widgets only available here? And why do they look different? Right. And, and and so I think the average user is super confused. I know the difference, and I know it's a generational thing, and I know that it's, you know, these iOS 14 widgets are very different, you know, the way you work them and code them and program them and, and stuff. And I know that these are just the legacy widgets, and they're not going to stay around. And I know all that, but it's very confusing, I think, to most people. And it's even a little confusing to me, like, why can't we just put old style widgets on the home screen? I don't know. And that does lead me to, it wouldn't be a, a, an app, a show with me on it. If I wasn't complaining about Apple, um, uh, the, the widgets on iOS 14, I'm, I'm, I applaud the effort. I think it's great. I'm using them and I hope that there's more to come because it still feels very limited compared to what I was used to on Android, um, where you could put widgets anywhere and size them in any way. And I'm okay with a little bit of constraint around that. And, and, and to be fair, Android had a little bit of constraint around that. They had to match certain grid sizes, but you didn't, you know, it wasn't just they could be left or right. And then beside that is a, either another widget that is for, uh, icons tall and wide or for icons. Like you could put, a widget in the middle on Android and have icons around it. You could have a widget go full screen. Like the whole thing is just a little limiting. And you know, this of course leads me into my entire prop, like uh, springboard uh, as it's known in the software, the home screens, as most people call them on iOS, it still feels long in the tooth. Like why do the icons have to flow from the top left to the bottom right? Like why can't I place an icon anywhere? And it would be so much easier to get things where I wanted them if I could. It is so frustrating to me. This this to me is probably my biggest challenge with iOS 
and I know this, I'm not, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here when I say that it is so frustrating. It is the most frustrating part of iOS is that I can't put an icon anywhere I want it. Fine. It has a grid. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Let me put it anywhere on the grid. Why do they have to flow from left to right? I don't get it. And it makes editing the home screen nearly impossible. And it destroys muscle memory. If you if you decide you need to remove one app and it is in the middle or even if it's, especially if it's up at the top, uh, top left and you remove it, everything shifts and now your muscle memory is completely destroyed. And Android didn't make you do that. <laughs> Everything stayed where it was if you removed an icon out of the grid. And you can put a new icon there, or you could leave it in empty space. That was totally up to me. This is my frustration, Joe. Do you think that it boils down to Apple doesn't want to completely imitate the design in Android, even if it is a better one? So they have to be different. They have to do something different. So they're going to just stick with with what they know. But, but do they? So that's the thing, is I agree with you. I don't think they have to... A better idea is a better idea, and I agree that they ought to have a better way where you could. See, I love grids, but I would like to have control to manually customize the grid. So, for example, if you only wanted to have uh, you know, nine apps on your home screen, well, all of those apps would have their icons floating at the top. And then there would be a great big open space underneath them below those topmost apps and then you go down to the dock i'd rather make them all go down to hug the bottom to float right over the dock and leave the airspace up at the top of my screen well with again with android you could do that yeah exactly and that's what i'm saying why isn't the feature so simple available on ios i mean apple come on yeah, um, and, and you have a note in here that editing the home screen is easier in iOS 14. I haven't found that to be the case. I still find it to be just as awful as it ever was, uh, and I feel like it's gotten worse over, over the years. Like, in, again, I, I know I'm, I'm harping on this Android thing, and I know I'm coming back to iOS, so just go back to Android, TJ. But there are reasons, other reasons why I'm coming back to iOS. But, but like, I find it so frustrating where on iOS, when you go to drag an icon around um, – the other icons don't get out of the way and instead often create a folder where you don't want it. And you're, you're, you, you, sometimes you'll be dragging and you have your icon all the way over to the left so you can get it, you know, or all the way over to the right so you can get it to the next screen and the next screen. And it doesn't, like, instead of, instead of continuing the next screen, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, up pops a folder. It says, oh, you want to make a folder? I'm like, what are you doing, iOS? Like, the whole thing is I, I I despise arranging icons on iOS. It is awful. It is true that it has been awful. And little by little, I think it's gotten easier. It's still not as good as it ought to be. I, I, if I was going to give it a grade on performance, I'd give this something around an 85 out of 100. And on oh, iOS I'd give 13... This, I'd, give this a, I'd give this a 10 out of 100. This is an F minus. <laughs> I, I would say it was clearly worse with iOS 13. So I wonder if your behavior like the behavior of movement in jiggle mode for you on the iOS what is it iPhone 6s is just a little bit i don't know laggy or poorly responsive because on my iPhone 11 it seems to work much better than it did in iOS 13 it, it, it's Maybe. better response times it doesn't uh create uh false positives for new folders uh, as frequently, I suppose because I'm on I, uh, the, the iPhone 6s, it very well could be that things are lagging, and it thinks because things are getting lagging and the input is lagging that I'm hovering over another app and want to create a folder. I suppose that's possible. It's it seems mm-hmm, odd though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it is annoying, but it was worse in 13 too. 
Okay, so mm. here's the thing I've noticed that is the biggest difference about its striking behavior is while you're moving around apps and widgets, if you create a void, an empty space for an app icon on a on your first home screen, then things from your second home screen that you know the one to the right that springboard to the right wants to flow over there into the void, the open slot on the primary home screen. Yes, I've noticed this too. I think I figured it out, and it has to do with widgets. If you remove a widget is when it happens, not when you remove an app icon. And ah, it is okay. extremely odd. It is extremely odd, and I find it off-putting. It is disorienting. because Because disorienting. what happens is it's moving. If you have the medium widget, you're moving eight icons at once because the the eight go to the right, and the eight come back depending on where your widget happened to be floating. And yeah, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, why is that doing that? I could understand how everyday users will get easily disoriented. Yeah, we need to pick up the pace here, Joe. We're going to have to, I think we need to discuss about discussing this more in the next week's episode. Potentially, Um, um, potentially. I I think we do need to pick up the pace though, because I think we can get through this if we pick up the pace. Um, I just want to mention that messages, app mentions and messages are a great addition. I'm frustrated that there's no autocomplete. In Slack, when you start typing at somebody, and then you can, it'll it'll pop up the things, and you you press tab, and it auto completes, and none of that is present. Or or on iOS, you'd select the auto complete, but but none of that is present in messages. It's just if you happen to type somebody's first name right, then it will highlight, and then when you press tab, it completes, and it's very odd. It's I find it off putting, but I'm glad it's there. Um, At mentioning is a good thing. Pinned conversations, Joseph, this is a godsend to me. I was always hunting because I, I do have just enough conversations that stuff falls out of view and then I'm looking for somebody's conversation and it, it gets very frustrating. I need this on macOS very badly now because that's primarily where I use messages. Although I do find because macOS messages app is so far behind, uh, it doesn't have things like GIF search, which is not fantastic on iOS, but at least it exists. And so I often, if I need to send a reaction GIF, I will go to my iPhone and pick it up off my desk real quick and type the one that I'm looking for and send it. Um, but yes, I need, I need all this and, and I especially need pinned conversations on macOS now. The unfortunate thing is I tend to wait for macOS releases because I need for my Mac devices to work properly in order for me to keep my job. Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to get this for quite a while. <laughs> so, um, Apple has finally, uh, blessed us from on high with emoji search in the native keyboard. Finally. And I can truly say, Finally, there are so many emojis and choosing them is impossible. And the the third, and again, this is a problem of Apple's own making, but the third party keyboard situation on iOS is still just awful. Um, You never know which keyboard is going to show up. Sometimes the keyboard just glitches out. The third-party keyboard just glitches out. Uh, Sometimes it's just a black square. Um, Sometimes, especially on iPad, it does really funky things with third-party keyboards. And yet, I I had to keep Gboard around because um, that's the only way to find an emoji. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, on iOS, not iPadOS, you can search for emojis. Uh, which is great, um, and I have gotten rid of the third-party keyboard on my uh, iPhone because that was the only reason I had Gboard installed. Oh, I need to do that right now. iPad does not get emoji search, and Joe, I ask you, what the heck? Why <laughs> not? No I do not understand. What I mean, of all places, like 
I, I in, in one thing they didn't change on the iPad that is better is if you're typing with a keyboard and you press just as you would on the Mac, Control Command Space, it does bring up an emoji picker. But then you can't type to find the emoji, Joe. Why? Why? <laughs> like now, I still bad. have to take my finger <laughs> That's a and scroll through this huge list of emoji. So I'm still keeping Gboard around on the on the iPad. As awful as Apple's third party keyboard experience is, I'm still keeping it around because I still need to be able to find emoji on the iPad. It's just I don't understand. Are you using it as your default keyboard on the iPad? No, for various reasons. One is it's far less integrated with things like one password. Um, the glitchiness is just unacceptable. Um, there, oh, there, there are numerous reasons. I can't even think of them all. But every time I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay on Gboard, and then it's like, nope, I can't, I can't because of this thing or that thing or the other thing. And and to be honest, Gboard on Android is great. It is the best mobile typing experience. Um, the native iOS typing experience is probably on this exact same level. I don't know that I could say one is better than the other. Um, Gboard on iOS, and again, I think this is because Apple's third-party keyboard experience is so bad, but Gboard is just not very good on iOS. I find I make mistakes with it all the time, <laughs> and it just doesn't, it, it's just awful. So, yeah, I really only use it for emoji search. So, uh, please bring emoji search to iPad, Apple. What the, What in the world? I don't understand. Okay, the app library. This is something that I was dreading coming back to iOS, um, even though I had made the decision before I broke my Android phone that I was eventually coming back to iOS. I was dreading this whole, all your apps just continue to fill up home screens forever and ever and ever, and I never organize more than the first couple of screens, right? And then it's just... Mm-hmm. And, and Android had this. Android has this figured out, and and now Apple mostly does too. So on Android, um, you can uh, only so so the home screens act like a proxy, right? So you only have on your home screens what you want, and then the rest is in the app drawer, and you swipe up. Uh, from the home screen, not from the very bottom, of course, because that's a different gesture, but you, anywhere on the home screen, if you just swipe up, the app drawer comes up and you can search for apps that you rarely use or just don't want on your home screens. Or you can just scroll through them and find them. So it's very similar to the app library. It doesn't categorize the way the app library does. And of course, Apple has decided to put it at the very end of the home screen. So if you have a couple of home screens, as I do, then you have to swipe, swipe, swipe to get to it. But I don't go into it that often, and honestly, if I'm searching for an app, I tend to just pull down and do the search anyway, so that is that's sure. fine, I guess. Are you considering using the edit pages option to hide pages that you just don't use on a regular basis? Maybe oh, that, I, I, that was the – I literally, as soon as I, uh, iOS 14 was installed, I went into jiggle mode, I tapped those things, those little dots down there, and I turned off all but the page – like my first couple of pages – and that's ah, great. Okay. Now that now it's as if I don't have those those pages don't exist, which is exactly yeah. what I wanted. And um it's it, it's a little strange conceptually the way they've done it, but it gives me what I want ultimately and so I'm happy with that. Um so basically now everything goes into the app library when I install a new app and then if I want it on a home screen, I will go find it and drag it in the app library and drag it out to that screen. It is essentially what I had with Android. So I'm happy with that. Okay, so I have a little pro tip about the app library. If you're on your regular home screen or one of the other springboards that has widgets and app icons, if you were to tap and drag down, you get Spotlight Search and Siri Suggestions if you have that turned on. Now, uh, don't do that on your phone. You already know how that works. If you go over to the app library and you swipe down, notice what happens. 
it creates a organized alphabetized list of all the app library brings up the keyboard so that you can search the app library for just opening those apps as you know maybe you wanted to type in a apple app store app and you don't know where it is in the app library you can just start typing that in and you can get it to call up but the other fun thing is is that you can actually use the alphabet in a vertical list on the right hand side and just scrub with your thumb to hop to the number or the the letter so you can go to you can jump down the t to find your t-mobile carrier app and uh i kind of like that I like this alternative way of navigating the app library because the app library itself is good in concept and it is, I want to say it's about 90% of the way there because some of these apps, the way they're organized doesn't add up TJ. So I think it's a Safari that's in the utilities folder. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's in my utilities folder as well. Yeah, it totally doesn't make sense. I, I don't really care about the organization. Um, it's really just getting them off of my home screens and putting them somewhere, right? And when you swipe down in the app library and get that alphabetical list, that's essentially what the Android app drawer is. And I that's if I were going to use the app library at all, that's what I would use. But, but again, mostly what I did with the app library is I would swipe down and search because it's not something you use very often. And then you just start typing to find the app that you want that you do rarely use. And that's that's perfect for me. And in iOS, uh, let me ask you this, Joe: How many ways are there to find an app in iOS? Mm, we got a handful now. <laughs> so you swipe uh, from the left to reveal the widgets area, and there's a search up there. And if you type an app name in there, uh, I'm just going to type App Store. Uh, it will uh, show up when you click search, but only when you click search, and not before. Okay, so there's the app store. I can get to it that way. Now um, I can go back to my home screen and I can from the, you know, somewhere that's not an edge, not a top or a bottom edge, I can pull down and there is the search. And uh, I can start typing app store, but this starts searching before I click go or search. And there's the app store, the app that I don't keep on any of my screens because I don't use it that often. So then you can go over to the app library and you can pull down and then you can search for an app. Joe, I ask you, how many ways do we need to search for an app? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I don't know what wrong. Apple's doing here. Yeah. I, I don't know what Apple's doing here. They don't seem to have a cohesive strategy for this. The, the one that I use the most because it's the most convenient, I don't have to swipe three home screens over to get to the app library, is I will just pull down and use the search there to find the app that I'm looking for. Um, that's what I did before the app library existed, so I suppose it's also built-in muscle memory. Um, here's a common theme you're going to find in this part of our review of iOS 14, Joe. Do you know uh, what is not on the iPad right now in, I- in iPad OS 14? <laughs> uh, widgets? The app library. Yeah, that too. <laughs> the app library is not on iPad OS 14, and so and, and neither is hiding home screens. And on the iPad, you're probably going to have even more apps than you have on iOS, and you're going to have a set that you probably, and this is the way I operate, all the apps that I use regularly on my iPad are on my primary screen. I don't know what's Same on here. the other screens. I because I do command space to search or if I'm, you know, not don't have my keyboard attached, I'll do the pull down dance, right? It I just don't um I don't understand why iPad is not getting these things. It's it's very bizarre. I have to agree. Yeah, I only use the first springboard on the iPad. Yeah. Default apps, Joe. Um, you, I, I, so I was excited about this and I am very happy that Apple is letting us change our default apps on iOS. 
I'm not, I, I tried Chrome, which is my browser of choice on Mac. Uh, Chrome on uh, iOS is awful, as is every other third-party browser I've ever used on iOS. And I think it's mostly because of Apple limitations, but whatever. Um, and so I'm sticking with Safari. And I was a Spark user for several months. I was using Spark back when I was on Android. Um, and I've recently switched back to Apple Mail. I've kind of come home because that was the, uh, the mail client that I started with when I got my first Mac in 2004 was Apple Mail. And I've come back to Apple Mail, and i got to say I'm really enjoying it. I'm not changing any default apps at the moment. Um, how about you, Joe? I know you are changing to Spark. What, uh, what's your experience with this, Ben? So with Spark on iOS, it has been a great app for me for several years. I love being able to swipe right and swipe left for archiving, deleting, uh, pinning, that sort of thing, replying. And I like the way that it's able to organize a smart inbox and then also get out of the smart inbox. If you just want to drill down to a specific email account, go to its sent messages, that sort of thing. Now, I know that one power user feature is the calendar in Spark, which is in its own right, actually a pretty full-fledged calendar. But we have Fantastical, so we don't really need that. But I do love Spark. It's essentially free and it still has tons of the power user features for the free user tiers i've never felt like i hit the ceiling so i'm very content with it i even like the app icon a little bit more than apple's mail but it it boils down to preference i i've actually been very interested in looking at the apple mail app every now and then but it it, but then i just know you know spark is making me really happy so, um, so really, it's just Spark that you are um, you, you've you've changed your default app for. I, yeah. Now, I am seriously considering using Brave on the iPad OS and making it my default. If I'm going to use it, it has to be my default, or I'll never use it consistently. But mm-hmm. see, Safari is just so good that I I don't know if I really need to and want to. I use Brave and Safari side by side on my Mac on a regular basis for different things, different accounts logged in, you know, that sort of thing. There are some things that are very nice about, well, you can manage bookmarks in Safari easier on uh, the Mac. And I don't really organize and manage my bookmarks on iOS or iPadOS, but I, I love to be able to manage my bookmarks the way I can in Safari on the Mac. So for that kind of reason, I'm in Safari. But on the Mac, TJ, I love a web browser like Brave because of some of the plugins, which are just much more <laughs> available well, yeah, it's, and it's, great. It's so, the Chrome uh, extension yeah. library, basically, because it's it's running which is Chromium. Yeah, you under can't the, beat that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, I was trying to recently uh, just see how the Safari ecosystem was on uh, my Mac. Uh, even though for development, there's just no way. Like the developer tools in Chrome are the best, hands down, and Safari doesn't hold a candle. Like every time I, I look at the developer tools in Safari, I'm like, this is just awful. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, I definitely use Chrome, but I wanted to try just for my regular browsing Safari, but immediately uh, I ran into a problem. I use an extension called Workona, um, which lets me save and organize tab sets. I often have work or pages or 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 research that I'm setting aside, and I want to come back to that exact tab set. And Workona lets me have tab sets, and it manages all that, and I close the tab sets and open up these other different tab sets, or I can open them on a different computer when I switch to Windows for my Windows work, and there's all my tab sets right there, and it's just, you know... Um, Workona, they keep talking about bringing the extension to Safari and they never do. And so uh, here I am, <laughs> I immediately run into that roadblock. Um, Safari does seem like a decent browsing experience. I know like all the benchmarks say that Safari is 
the fastest browser, even better, even faster than Chrome. My experience doesn't show doesn't that. Feel like and it. maybe it's because Maybe because maybe it's because I have such a good cache built up in Chrome for the sites that I visit regularly. I don't know, um, but it just feels like Safari is a little slower on the Mac. Um, as far mm-hmm. as mobile, again, and, and I, I know I keep saying this, there are good reasons why I'm switching back to iOS. <laughs> Please believe me. But like <laughs> Chrome on the Android is the best mobile browser. Like period. At full stop. Um, Chrome on on uh, iOS is a completely different design and sucks. Um, and I think that Apple limits um, third-party web browsers in such a way that it's hard to make a good third-party web browser on iOS. I haven't found a good one yet that's as good as Safari. So I just continue to use Safari on um, on my I- iOS devices. Um, thankfully, uh, it's a little different on iPad. I do wish that my bookmarks are more in sync because I do have – I don't have a lot of bookmarks, but I do have a few things that I bookmark – um, I, I mostly though navigate by typing the first, you know, starting to type the web address and then letting autocomplete help me out. And so that's fine. And so, yeah, I, I stick with Safari on iOS and iPad. Um, and that's kind of my deal. So yeah, I'm not really changing any default apps you're changing. And, and if I go back to spark, I'll be happy to change my default to spark. So, um, yeah, I'm very, and I'm very happy Apple is offering us this opportunity. Uh, it is, it is very kind of them. To, to come down from on high and say you may choose a different default email or web browser. <sighs> Joe, I think I think that's a show. We uh, yeah. we had other things in the document to talk about, but iOS 14 has taken up all of our time. Uh, if people want to find out more about you or the things that you do or interact with you about our review of iOS 14, where might they do so? I am JCS Darnell on Twitter. Catch me there. And if you want to do the same with me, I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, beware that it is a stream of consciousness. It's not just tech stuff. It's not just development stuff. It's all kinds of stuff. You you mm-hmm. get you get the full TJ experience with me on Twitter. But I'll be happy to interact <laughs> with you there. Um, TJ and talk Draper more about, Pro Plus Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to talk with you on uh, Twitter uh, about anything you want to. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find the show notes for this episode. If you don't happen to have a podcast app that shows you the show notes, you can get to the show notes at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash two. You can also follow Night Owl on Twitter if you want to get notifications on Twitter about the various shows that go on to Night Owl. Night Owl FM on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed listening to Hi-Fi, please share it with your friends. It really would be helpful to us to get the word out there. Uh, We will catch you next week. Goodbye, Joe. Goodbye, TJ. Are you using RSS anymore? You know, what do you, what have you abandoned ship? Are you just using the news app? Well, of course I'm using RSS. I subscribe to podcasts. Oh, look at mine. That's pretty much it. No, I use um, – I find Google News uh, useful. I go in there and I've kind of got a curated list of things and I'll hide stuff I don't want. And train, I've Google trained, News on iOS or back on, on, Well, Google News is a thing that is available on various platforms, iOS, Android, uh, Mac. You can go to Google, news.google.com um, and you can tell it kind of what your preferences are. And over time as you continue to hide things or say, yes, I liked this, it will it will learn like what you're interested in. And I, I find that to be perfectly adequate. And if, if mm. I get an inkling that something's going on in the world, I, I'll usually visit like once or twice a day, you know, eh, more like once a day, maybe twice a day if I'm interested in the news. And then other than that, like probably once a day. 
Um, hmm. And if I get an inkling that something's going on in the world, I immediately just go to new Google News and see if it's something that's in my feed that I'm interested in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. have used Google News only intermittently, like, you know, as a casual thing on the web browser off of my Mac or a laptop, but never really yeah. thought about using it on I mean, iPad if OS or iOS. I mean, obviously you're giving Google more data about you. And if you're worried about that, that could be a problem, but I don't care. I, I actually yeah. think that pe- people, people worry a lot about privacy and they're like, Ooh, Google knows this about me and Facebook knows this about me. But like, I don't know that I want to live in the world where um, advertisements are targeted to me for tampons because they're useless to me. <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't mind targeted advertising. I think it can get weird and creepy if you take it too far. But, like, I think a basic profile of somebody, like, I think that's actually a good thing. And I don't think people would actually enjoy a world where our advertising wasn't at least somewhat targeted. No, you're not wrong. I... I, I think that there's got to be a balance. I don't want to have absolute privacy and uh, block them out of my life entirely. But it has been creepy because there have been, uh, you know, since March, living, working at home all the time, Amber and I sharing conversations around the house and discussing any number of things and then getting advertisements within the next day for those things that we were just discussing. And I yeah, can't put you, my finger on how that happened. You know, no, no, no I, you, you need to read. I, I, I need to send you, uh, I got to find it. It's been a while, but, but people think it's related to them talking about it, but there are so many other signals that you can send in your browsing habits and in the things that you're doing. Like, especially if you have iOS devices, it's not possible for these uh, companies to be monitoring what you're saying. Cause Apple just doesn't allow that. Um, if yeah. you have an Android, potentially, if you've given permission to Facebook, for instance, it could do that and they've been caught doing it, but you can't even do it on iOS. So yeah. unless you have a device that allows it, I, it's not really possible for them to be listening to your conversation. Yeah, no, I, I know it, I'm just saying it does weird me out because I cannot put my finger on how did that even happen? <laughs> so I, I don't like an algorithm a system that clearly works in a way that is unpredictably intelligent uh, to the point of not making it easy, but actually just looking creepy. So it's kind of like, I know you don't mean to be creepy. You mean to be smart and make my life easier. And when my life is easier, how is that supposed to make me feel? It's supposed to make me feel good. It's supposed to make me feel like my technology is worth the price tag. Well, and, I always find it interesting when you talk to iOS yeah. users and, and they're, you, you, you point out the ways in which iOS is predicting what you're going to do next. You've got these areas where iOS thinks it knows what you want and it's got you know various signals that it pays attention to and nobody seems to find that creepy. And yet when Google does the same thing, they find it creepy. And, and I know it's probably the, the perception of the character of the companies. And honestly, I trust Apple a little more than Google right now, but I trust them a lot less than I used to. I mean, just the, the way yeah. Apple's been behaving lately, it's just not – I don't think it's as safe as people think it is. And, and I know Apple's incentives are different from Google too, and I suppose that makes a difference. Like Apple's incentivized more to protect your privacy, no doubt, although that's becoming less of and less of a thing as they really want services to be a thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got to run. Um ordinarily i could stick around and chat longer after episodes uh but we did run long so um thank you sir you're gonna have any uh 
uh, I'm just assuming you're going to get it out on Wednesday or did you want to put it it out out on Tuesday? I was going to edit it tonight and put it out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Send me your audio.